day because we have some special people here, here in our Gables room, over in our Kendall room, and I hope that we have young listeners on our church online. Welcome, everybody. Now, at Christ Journey, we believe that children and students learn best in environments where they can be uniquely, the environments are uniquely designed for them and their friends to connect in community But every now and then, we make this place that kind of place, and we invite families to worship together, and this is very good for our church to do because it helps us remember that we are always thinking about the generations that are coming up and that we are building a future culture and future leaders into our kids. And it's also good for families because kids get to see how parents express their faith and worship God in this context. And it's also good for the parents of those families to see how their kids are engaging and then take steps to lead their family in the runway of life to lift off to flying high. And that's why this message and this family worship is a part of our series, Airborne. We're in week three of hearing how God wants to give us a lift by his spirit and he wants to take us Flying high. And so this message is called Flying Oranges. Okay, well, here's the fly part. The fly part is that God has a future for everyone. Pastor Bill talked about this last week. And he wants everyone listening to this to reach the God-given potential that he has for them in this life. To make a difference in the world right around them. Okay, great, we get that. What about the oranges? Well, here at Christ's Journey, when we talk about family ministry, we say that we think orange. And we're going to hear more about that in a minute. But to get us started, I have a question if you are an elementary age student, kindergarten through fifth grade only. Now, it's not school time. I know that starts tomorrow. It's not school time, so you're not going to have any wrong answers. You may not even have an answer. Here's the question. What do you want to be when you grow up, kids? Yeah, you have some ideas You can tell your parents, if you're with your parents, you can shout it out to me at Kendall. Shout it out. Talk over there at Kendall. What do you guys want to be? I'm sorry? Police? Thank you. We need you. Yes. Yes. What other things? What do we got? Football player. I got some of those at home. Doctor. Reach for the stars. I know you said something, but I didn't get it. I heard actor, and I love it. Is that what they said? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I heard it right. Okay. One more. Help. That's what I heard, too. A dragon, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be a dragon when we grow up. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right, all right. Kids, I want to pass on something to you that I learned when I was about your age. There's this prayer in Psalm 17 that says this. Keep me as the apple of your eye. 
Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Do you know what the apple of somebody's eye is? It's the little twinkle they get when the light hits the eye and maybe they're looking at you and you think, yeah, they love me. That's being the apple of God's eye. You are the apple of God's eye. Now, I learned that verse as a song, but I realized that I learned the words all wrong when I was a kid. I learned it like this. Keep me, Jesus, as the apple of thine eye. That's okay. That's in the Bible. I be under the shadow of thy wing. Like, what am I, a pirate? I be under are the shadow of thy wing. No, it wasn't until I was preparing this talk that I looked it up and realized that it actually says, hide me under the shadow of thy wing. Keep thy hand upon me lest I die. Keep me, Jesus, as the apple of thine eye. So that's how I learned that verse. But kids, you are the apple of God's eye. You're welcome. Next part is, next question is for our students, 6th through 12th grade. Same kind of question. Some of you are months away from being legal adults. I know that's true. <sighs> Some of you are a few years away from being legal adults, which feels like forever to you, but like tomorrow for your parents. But what about you? You have some ideas about what you want to be when it's your turn to uh, be independent and live your own life, make your own money, pay your own bills, by the way, also. Yeah? Some ideas about that? If it involves college, which college, maybe, that you're going to go to? Think about it. I don't know if students really want to shout out to me, but you're welcome to if you want to. Yeah, permission. Hmm? Permission to talk in church is okay. Well, students, you are going to be invited to make more and more decisions for yourself as you get older. And those of us that have made it to the other side of adolescence, we know that some of these decisions are going to be really tough. And so here's a blessing and a promise for you. If any of you need wisdom and you will need wisdom, you should ask God. And it will be given to you. God is generous and won't correct you for asking. He wants you to ask him for wisdom. And he's not going to get mad if you do. So ask God, ask your parents. There's a word for you to take home today, students. Okay, legal adults in the room, 18 and up. Question for you. What do we want to be when we grow up? Right? Like, maybe you're living your best life right now. It's everything you dreamed of. It's exactly what you thought when someone asked you as a kid, what are you going to be when you grow up? Or maybe it's not exactly what you thought, but, you know, you're doing okay if you do say so yourself. Maybe you're avoiding becoming an adult altogether. <laughs> you know, no joke, this came across my social media feed this week, preparing for this talk, this picture. Hey, no joke. It came from one of you. Hi. <laughs> you know, we want to Peter Pan it. You know, we don't want to grow up. Some of us are dealing with that. Or, okay, let me make a turn. Maybe you're like me, and some of us, due to the things going on in our, in our home families growing up, you had to grow up a little sooner than you were supposed to. We had to do adult things before it was really time to be adults. But make no mistake, Whatever your experience was, your home family set a tone for you. And we actually carry our home experiences into our adult selves. And we practice them as adults, and they enter into our relationships. Um, let me give you an example. I grew up in a family of three girls. I'm the oldest. Some of you know this. I'm the oldest, which means I'm the best. <laughs> and that last statement is completely untrue. But... 
middle kids or babies. Do you guys have any older siblings that really think they are super, super awesome? Look, I don't know what to tell you, but it's really natural for us to feel this way. We're given a lot of responsibility. Our parents ask us to help out. We have to be responsible not only for ourselves, but for you sometimes, right? We get held responsible for that. But what happens is that we want to please our parents, and so we want to get it right all the time. And that establishes in our minds, firstborns, an expectation that we can get it right all the time, and then we grow into adults who think they are right all the time. I don't know if I'm talking about all firstborns, but I know I'm talking about this one. And one of the experiences that God has used in my life to confront this issue in me is, guess what? Parenting a firstborn. Right? Now, I have a different relationship with my firstborn than my other two boys. It's not better or worse. It's just different. It's firstborn to firstborn. It's like the 4th of July relationship in our house. It's beautiful and explosive, right? And my second-born husband will often just, you know, sit back and watch the fireworks. You know, we both have a point we want to make, and neither of us wants to be wrong. I'm downloading all my firstborn self into the way I am parenting. And it takes a lot for me to stop and think, God, why am I trying to be right? Why am I trying to win this argument with my kid? Now, Connor's my oldest. He's 15, and so I had to ask him permission to tell that story. And he said, yeah, sure, Mom, that's fine. Just when you finish, make sure you let them know I am always right. Right? You saw that one coming. You saw that one coming. What happens in our growing up families is so important. It's the place that we learn what normal is, whether or not it's really normal at all. Families are setting expectations for the future at all levels. This is physical. This is spiritual. This is emotional. This is professional. Our families establish a rhythm of life in us. But did you know that God established a rhythm of life for us first? In the Garden of Eden, God set a rhythm of worship, work, and rest. Humans are created to experience God personally, to walk and talk with him every day. That's worship. Loving God by telling God you love him is worship. We did that today, and we did it well, church. Wow, nice worship of God today. They were also given work to do in the Garden of Eden, to take care of the world that God had given them to live in. In fact, the work that they did was also an expression of worship because loving God by showing God you love him with the work that you do is worship. That means the work that you're going to do this week, kids at school, it's a way that we show God we love him by the good work that we do. But before the humans even got to work, who remembers the first thing that God did after he finished creating it all? What did God do? He rested. So the first assignment that humans were ever given was to rest, to enjoy, to have fun, which means that loving God by resting to enjoy him and what he's given us is also worship. We are created for this rhythm of worship, rest, and work. God sets it in the Garden of Eden, and he confirms it in the perfection of heaven. Real quick, in Revelation 7, we see a picture of heaven with a huge crowd of people, too many to count. And they are before the throne of God. That's worship. They serve him day and night in his temple. That's work. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. That's rest. 
I be under the shadow of his wing. Did you guys know that we are going to have jobs to do and fun to have in heaven? We are. So if we see this rhythm that God's created for us in creation and we see him confirm it in heaven in the promise of our future, doesn't it make sense that we would try to establish a similar rhythm in the in-between time we experience here on earth and build a rhythm of worship, rest, and work for ourselves and for our families? That's how oranges fly. That's what gives families a lift. And I'm not just talking about our physical families that we go home to, but our church family or the capital C Kingdom Church family. But families, the ones we're born into, are where we learn life rhythms first. And so to help us speak to that today, I've invited our family ministry director, Andrea McWhorter, to join me. Would you please welcome her? Thanks, Angie. Isn't this fun? I love family worship days because it's like a big family reunion. It is. Yeah. It's so fun in Watching here Watching you guys come in and get seated and talk to everybody. Yeah. Some of, some of our kids have already started. You guys have already started yeah, in started your household yep, with yep. school. Mine are getting ready to start tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so many of you, I'm sure, are getting ready to start tomorrow. So I'm excited for a new school year to kick off. Yeah. Yeah. So Glad to have you here. I know. I know. You know what, Angie? What? I realized that you had said that you were the firstborn. That's right. And you were always right. That's also right. I'm here to represent the secondborns, the babies of the family. Anybody out there? We may not always be right, but we are the favorites of the family. That is true. So with that, with that, I'll share about how our family dynamics work. <laughs> no. So you're ready for the new school year. What about the new ministry year? I am. Um, so my family, John, my husband, um, we have two kids. And so our oldest is getting ready to start her second year of high school. Started driving this summer, gulp. Everybody feel my pain? Yes. Um, but she's it. doing great. And then our second born, um, Ellie, is starting her second year in middle school. So we are super excited to kick off a new year. And here at church, we're going to start out a new ministry year next week. It's called Orange Sunday. So families, get ready. We're going to party next week. Kids, teenagers, you guys get a promotion. So you guys get to move up to your next environment, next grade, meet some new leaders, meet some new friends. So we're excited about that next week, Orange Sunday. Well, that sounds like something we can start a rhythm with in our families. That's right. We talked about rhythm. Can you speak to a rhythm that we can find for our family? Yep. Talk about that. So, you know, beginning of the school year sort of is like New Year's Day for me. I don't know if it's like that for you and your household. Maybe the moms are thinking this way. You have your list of resolutions of the way this year is going to go. We want everybody in bed on time so that that way they can get up before the crack of dawn. They can eat a nutritious breakfast that's laid out for them. We can... <laughs> We can hustle off to school and everybody have everything that they're supposed to have. They're supposed to get through their day and finish their homework right away when they get home. So that, that way you can have quality family time. You can invest and be eyeball to eyeball around a dinner table, right? Perfect right. family meal, no phones anywhere. Oh, no phones anywhere. Yep. And then off to bed we go. Yeah. Is that, that how you do it? Yeah. Well, that's not at all You're what it perfect. looks like in my household. <laughs> so I don't know if you are like that, but... I think the rhythm that God designs for us is a little different than that. Yeah. Notice I didn't say anything about God. And sometimes our pace and how stressed out we are, I mean, no wonder we're so stressed out if we're trying to keep up with all of that. And I'm sure you have lists too that keep you up at night and frantically trying to go through your pace of life in your family. But God tells us to slow down. Mm. And he tells us about this rhythm of worship 
and work and rest. In fact, we're going to look at a passage together, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. It's going to be on the screen, but if you want to follow along, you can do that in your YouVersion Bible app or the Christ Journey app or maybe the Bible in front of you. But, you know, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk alongside the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Now, parents, I don't know about you, but that seems to lay it out pretty good that all throughout the day we're supposed to talk about God. We're supposed to talk about his truth. But that's kind of hard. It's hard. Yeah. But that's exactly how God designed it. He wants us to devote ourselves and worship to him first. Put God first. So maybe that's putting him at the top of your day before all the frantic mess, you know, happens. And then we're supposed to live out that devotion that we have with God, live out that worship in our work, in our rest, in our play, all the times in our life. So Moses knew this. In fact, he had gotten this from God. And so Moses confronted all of the people who had been trekking together, families all in front of him. And he said, love the Lord your God, put him first. And then parents, others who are around, who love your kids, who love your family, Invest in them this way all throughout the day. When you get up, when you lie down, when you're walking together, everywhere you go. So I'm going to make a note to read that passage and probably read a little bit on the other side of that to hear about Moses. Yeah, yeah. yeah I encourage everybody, go back and read chapter 6 of, De of Deuteronomy. It has some great hope, some great help as you start a new year together. So go back and do that today. So I'll read Deuteronomy, but what practical steps can families take or even individuals take to help us build a rhythm? Okay, well, I, I mentioned start with worship, right? If we start with worship, maybe that's, you know, before everybody gets up, you have your quiet time. You have some time with God to connect. Maybe it's around the breakfast table. You're able to just start with a word of prayer. Maybe you start that way. Maybe it's on your way in the car. If you're driving to school, driving to work, maybe you have some worship time. Play some worship music and put your focus on God first. Then as you get home, you know, maybe, maybe instead of being on our phones, maybe we can redeem some of the time we're on our phones. In fact, you know what, I, I read a schedule or a, a study this week that it says that adults spend two and a half hours a day on social media platforms and entertainment platforms on their phones. Mm. And you know what, preteens and teens, six to eight hours. That's a lot of influence that we're allowing to enter our rhythm and dictate our parenting, dictate our family life. And so I would encourage you, have some honest conversations around the table. Don't get defensive. Instead, have some honest conversations about what some boundaries would look like so that that way you can guard and protect each other. But you know what? God also wants to redeem. We've been given technology. God can use it. That's right. You know, we have, we have Bible plans that we can be reading. We can share. Every once in a while, I'll get a text um, or something early in the morning, or I'll, I'll be able to share that with my kids um, via text so that that way they're thinking of maybe a passage that God put on my heart for them or a prayer for a, a test that they have. So let's redeem some of that technology time and put God in there too. There's, there's all kinds of ways during the day that, that we, can, we can do this. We can worship God first and then in all of, all of our day, whether, you know, maybe it's reading a devotional on the way. I used to have my girls read um, the Jesus Bible or the Jesus Calling book um, with the devotionals and we would read together and it would start our day off really thinking about God. You know, maybe it's at night, you know. Sometimes um, it's in the quiet times at night. Once dinner is done, once things kind of chill out and 
you know, homework is already done, right kids? We're not gonna procrastinate. <laughs> but maybe that's the time that we allow God to speak in to our parenting with our kids and we allow that to inform um, our prayer time over them just allow them to open up and, um, and share what's going on in their life. You've given us a lot of ideas, and I don't know that I would be able to implement all the ideas you gave us. No. Um, and thinking about where is the margin? Where is the margin in my life to stop and even do one or two of these? Mm -hmm. um, you, you've told me some stuff about margin time. What do, you, what do you have for that? Well, you know, allow God to work in the small bit of margin that you do have. You know, think of one or two things that you can start implementing. You know, maybe it is dinner time around the table. Maybe it's not seven days a week, but maybe it's a couple of times a week that you really check in, that you put the phones aside and that you have some eyeball to eyeball time. You know, maybe it is laying down with your kids and you schedule that. And kids, you have a part in this too. You know, you can be the one who nudges mom or dad when they're tired at the end of a day and you can say, can you come pray with me? Mm -hmm. Can we come, can we talk? Mm -hmm. That allows our kids to be vulnerable and share what's going on in their lives so that we can track with them and we can keep um, allowing God to be part of those times because Jesus really does want to be part of every part of our life. So we can do that. So we talked about things for the family. Family is one of our Christ journey values here. Um, how can we as the church come alongside and support families in, in building healthy rhythms? Well, here at Christ Journey, we are here to help people find and follow Christ, right? So we're here to help kids find and follow Christ, and teens, single moms, blended families, foster families, grandparents, all of them, everybody. We want everybody to find and follow Christ. And so we believe that we can do that best in environments. And so we have some environments that you may be familiar with, you know, relevant environments that we talked about earlier. Ones like Discoveryland, which is going on for our preschoolers right now. And we have Highway for our elementary kids. We have special discoveries for our kids who have some special needs. We have shift and velocity. How many teenagers do I have out there with shift and velocity? All right. All of those environments are designed for you to experience God, and they are filled with loving, devoted leaders that want to pour into your life, that want to make the Bible come alive, and want to send you home and out into your world equipped by God. Um, if you don't have a, a teen or, or a, a child, maybe it's a group. Maybe you find your environment in a group. And that way, you know, you can do life with other parents, with other people. You know, the next thing would be, you know, helpful resources. We have some helpful resources that we wanna to give to you. So parent cue cards that go home with our preschool and our elementary kids that give you tangible ways that you can live this out, um, whatever they're learning in, their, in those environments, you can take those home. Book studies, we have book lists for parents um, and for adults and, and group studies. And if I'm gonna challenge you, we have groups launch happening right now. So if you haven't found a group, get part of a group. You know, I've had other adult, um, adults that are further along in their parenting that may have older children, but they have poured into my life and into my husband's life, into our marriage, into our family life. For sure. And it's really impacted the way that we do our family rhythm. And I'm glad that my kids get to see that in our home happening in a group setting. So helpful resources would mm -hmm. be that. In fact, I came across this book um, when we were talking about this um, building a rhythm, and it's by Jim Burns. It's called Pass It On, and it's a great book that really celebrates having a rhythm and celebrating some milestones in your kid's life that are super valuable. So I wanted to pass that along to you, and maybe you'll take advantage of that. Maybe you can even read it um, as a group. The next thing is community engagement. These are things like block party that you hear us talk about and city serves and mission projects. These are so exciting. And this is the tangible way that our kids, 
our teens, our families, our adults in church, the Big C Church. This is the way we get out and we love our community. This is the way that we love our city and we show God's love um, all around us. Energizing experiences like kids camp and student camp. How many mm -hmm. of you participated in kids camp, student camp this summer? Yeah. Super, super exciting. Camps are transformational. And yep. not only the life of our kids, but also the adults that lead in them. I mean, they're, they're so transformative, and uh, I'm excited that we get to, to be a part of those. The next thing would be, you know, some milestone moments. Many of you, I met your, your family and met your kids when you went through parent dedication. Parent dedication is one of those milestones that we get to celebrate as a big church with the individual families and get to welcome them into family ministry and into our larger church. Um, Bible presentation, which we're getting ready to do here in a couple of months, and preparation for baptism. That's one of my favorite yes. things to lead in, with our kids, with our teenagers, is when they have made an ex a, a decision to follow Jesus, that we get to prepare them um, with their parents um, of how, how that looks, what that relationship looks like, and then what the step of baptism looks like. So those are super exciting. And then senior recognition. We, we just got to do that in June before we um, let our kids go off and fly, like flying oranges off into college. We get to celebrate them and uh, recognize them not only in big church, but also in their environment with senior recognition. So some neat milestone moments. And then leadership development. Jordan, I think, mentioned at the beginning that we have a lot of students that are serving, not only in this experience, but all over this place. And they're finding their leadership, and they're finding how to use their gifts. And that's a super uh, exciting thing to watch teenagers, to watch kids um, find how to use their gifts and know that they have a place um, and they have a part in church. And then the last is some help and some hope events. You know, we, we do parent workshops and we come alongside you with some counseling and, parent, and uh, pastoral support because we know, you know, family life is hard. And so sometimes we need that extra voice or that extra prayer time um, with some of our leaders um, to speak into those times when it, it can be really tough in our families. Um, in fact, we have one coming up right now. Um, it's called Night of Hope and it's to educate families, whether that's parents or teens, um, to, to talk a little bit about the risks and the effects of addiction, which we know is rampant in our society. And so we want to give you some tools. So make note of that. Yeah, it's September 6th. It's Friday, September 6th, if you want to make note about that night of hope for yep. families dealing with addiction. Yep. Um, church, we are pretty blessed to be part of a community that is so intentional about age and stage ministry and development of our families. We talked about Thinking Orange. Andrea, give us the behind the scenes why do we think orange? Where did that come from? So orange is something that we, uh, we like to do around here in family ministry. But some of you may know what this is. But I've asked some helpers from our audience, a couple of them, three yeah, of them. Yeah, you got some help? And we're going to do a little science experiment. We figured since you're going back to school anyway, we'll do a little science experiment. So, uh, science projects. Mm, all right. I think I have a friend over here, and I have a couple of friends over here. You want to come up and join me here on the platform? All right. Yeah, give All right, it give up. him a hand, give, give him a hand, give him a hand. All right. Come on up here. What grade are you in? Sixth grade? Second grade? Fifth grade? Third grade. How awesome. We have all of your help up here. So we're going to do a little science experiment. Can you tell me, second grader, what color do you see there in, uh, in that glass closest to you? Hmm, it's red. That's right. And red around here represents the heart and the love of family. So 
in our family lives, do you know a year, a parent has 3,000 hours to impress these truths upon their kids? 3,000 hours. Some of us feel like it's much longer than that. <laughs> we feel every minute of it. But what color is this over here? Yellow. So yellow represents the light and the hope that we have in Jesus and the church. And so, hmm, there's a little less in there. You realize that? A little less than the red? That's because the hours that we have here at church, we may have 40 hours a year with a kid. So what we like to do around here is we like to think orange. So can you do me a favor? Will you grab that glass and pour that right in there? Go, 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 and go, 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 go. And you're going to grab this glass and pour it in there. And we're going to see what happens when the red she's of our family. Oh, she's very careful. I love it. I love it. And when the light of the church comes alongside families. Hmm, what did we make? That's right. We made orange. <laughs> Yay, our science experiment worked. <laughs> awesome. Way to go. So we don't want to do life in isolation. We want families and we want church to feel like a family. We want to come alongside you. And you know what this says to me? Orange says partnership. And orange also says transformation. There's something new that was created there. And you know what? As much as we tried, could you separate the red back out or the yellow back out of that? Nope. We are stuck together. And so when we do that, we can think orange together. So thank you guys so much for helping with our science experiment. Yeah, give it up. So glad that worked. Yeah. Get all the color balancing right, right? Uh, well, yeah, we try. <laughs> we try. We try. We try. Um, so... What are some takeaways? What are some action steps that you can okay. give our church as we prepare to think orange together? Okay, I have three. I have okay. three. One is, if you are a family and you have not connected your kids or your teenagers to one of these environments that we talked about, then can I encourage you, start next week. Maybe, maybe you haven't been a part of this church very long. The way to make this big church feel small is to get connected. So connect your kids. We start next week with Orange Sunday. So Let's do that together. Okay. And you know what? If, you're not a, if you don't have kids and you don't have teenagers, maybe it's a group. So like I said, find, find your space where you can get to know other people and where this becomes your family. You can do that right afterwards at the group sign up. Second thing that we can do, we can all do this. We can invite a family to church. You know, all of us know families that are going at this alone and they feel totally overwhelmed, right? Hopefully, this is a church where you have felt supported in your parenting, in your family life. So can I encourage you? Look for those families. Be open to God showing you who those families would be, and then make the invite. And allow them to come and be part of this community where they can see and feel and touch and be a part of our family. And then the third thing I would encourage you to do is serve. Get together. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's you know, you're a college student and you're looking to connect and, and give to the next generation, we need grandparents, we need college students, we need single adults, we need parents, we need all of, all of our church stepping up to serve, to love, to be the hands and the feet that help families with this rhythm and allow this place to feel like family when they come. Yeah, so, there's three things. There's the ah, I love these, I yeah. love these. This is CityServe over here on the right. And then this family, this was on Pastor Bill's, and I, I loved this because they serve every weekend on our coffee crew together. Together. I love it. I love that. I love I that. Love I love it, it when families great. are serving together. Yeah. So 
Andrea's given us a lot of help on how we practically love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and strength. Do you want to thank her for what she's done today? Yeah, when Pastor Bill asked me to uh, do this message on Orange, I knew I didn't want to do it without you. So thank you so much. Practical ways. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And Jesus added a word to that Deuteronomy verse. He said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And I'm thinking maybe he added the word mind because he knew that sin had entered the world. And he knew that he was here to fix it. Sin had broken our rhythm with God, and he was here to do something about it. And he knew that our minds would be what we would use to choose to believe him. And I bring that up right now because I wasn't going to let a family worship day pass with younger ears in the room and older ears in the room to talk about Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to earth, by the way, like many of us do, right? as part of a family. But here's something that he did that none of us will ever be able to do. He built a perfect rhythm of worship, rest, and work. He loved God, his Father, with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and all his strength, ultimately all his strength, and he did it perfectly. We, on the other hand, we break. Families break. We lose our rhythm. We're not always kind with each other. We hurt one another. We don't do this perfectly. I mean, does this happen in your family, or am I the only one who gets it wrong sometimes? We break. We lose our rhythm. You know that thing that happens um, sometimes in your family, sometimes in friendship, when something goes down between two people and it breaks the relationship, and now there's separation between you and that person or distance? In our friendship with God, that something is called Sin, our mistakes, our bad choices, anything that doesn't show our love for God and our love for people is called sin. And that's what separates us from God because he's holy and he's perfect. That makes our sin a problem. But God is way bigger than this problem. And he sent Jesus to take care of this problem when he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins and everybody's sins. He became the bridge for us that is stronger and higher than our sin. The bridge that we can cross to restore our relationship and be with God again. There's no question about this. He did it for you. So now what do you do? You use your mind to choose to cross that bridge by faith and receive Jesus as your forgiver, as your savior. And when you ask Jesus into your heart, he stays with you forever. He's with you always, and you can trust him no matter what. In fact, I'm going to lead a very simple prayer right now for anybody who wants to do that, who wants to trust Jesus as their savior. And if you're here today and you've already done that, then church, let's be praying for the Holy Spirit to come alive in some new hearts today. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Guide our hearts now as we pray. Now, if you'd like to say a prayer of salvation, you can repeat this after me or just say it to yourself in your mind. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrong things I have done. 
I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And I trust you for forgiveness. Come into my life and help me be the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen.